to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokono hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing
is a remix this side of here. I've, I've just heard. I told Satan, you better get out of my office. <laughs> you have to believe you've got an office in the spirit. I like that. I told Satan. <laughs> All right, let me see your notepads. Get up, Shakaya. Brandos Dagiagahai. You know, I just feel like something good is about to hit you. Yeah. Now you've known how to respond. The Bible says, open your mouth and I'll fill you with words. Sometimes a point will touch you the way it doesn't touch anyone. You, you missed it. The seed didn't get sown in you because you refused to scream. Or just to say Hallelujah. I know there are people who have overempowered, but <laughs> blessed be God. So we've been looking at kingdom prosperity. Now, I want you to know something. Um, uh, young adults conference, I mean, your, your meeting, let me make these comments. You guys were so excellent. You were so amazing. Let's give them a hand. So that end of a conference should mark the beginning of a ministry. You are not done. You, are, you will do great exploits. And every young adult shouts, Amen. Amen. All right. So we began looking at money. We are dealing with uh, part one. We did part one of. Um, kingdom prosperity we are dealing with finances kingdom prosperity and uh, part one was the wisdom of the spirit but this is going to be part 1a we continue with the wisdom of the spirit and uh, I'm just going to believe God for utterance because I know there are different people with different needs but I'm convinced no one doesn't need money I'm very convinced no matter how someone can be offended because they were talking about money in church, secretly they want. It's just the spirit of religion that hates discussions on money. And where else would you rather hear about money than in church? Because we teach you the word of God. So every devil that has made you believe they are out for money when they talk about money should get out from your office. Praise the Lord. So you're all welcome. All those that are, are visiting us for the first time, my name is Pastor Daniel Kaira. And uh, I, I'm believing God. I'm believing God that by the end of this sermon, you will hear God that that is your pastor. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And I'm very engaged. Okay, so we were looking at, um, just in case. So we were looking at, um, we we're looking at the wisdom of God concerning prosperity. Remember, let me see your notepads. Ah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Those that don't have notepads, God help you next week that you should come with a notepad. Okay. 
I mean, if you don't take notes in church, where do you take notes? Get your phone, put it on silent and take notes. I will spare you the conversation I wanted to have with you today. Praise God. This doesn't apply to the visitors, by the way. It's for those who've been coming for a while. So, um, our scripture was 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things, above all things, okay, he says, that you may prosper. I wish above all things. Somebody say above all things. So he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper. So he begins by talking about prosperity, right? He says, above all things, number one, I wish that you may prosper. Meaning it's within the desire of God that we should prosper. That's amazing. And the word of God reveals the desires of God. And the word of God comes with both the desire of God and the power of God to fulfill his desire. So the word of God does, listen to me, this is powerful. The word of God does not just come in order to empower you or to teach you something. The word of God comes with it, the desires and purposes of God. So when we are communicating the word of God to you, we are not just communicating spiritual knowledge. We are communicating to you God's desires. This is why the Bible says we have his feelings, his thoughts, his purposes in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Amplified. It should be the second last uh, scripture. It says we carry the thoughts, the feelings of God. How? It's in his word. Has anyone who is bitter ever talked to you? By the time they are done talking to you, even start feeling bitter in your mouth. Have you ever, have you, pain has a voice. You can tell. You can tell when somebody is speaking out of pain. You can even feel it. Okay, this person was offended. If they are telling you, can you imagine what they did to me in public? Nish, everyone is watching. Then he told me things I'll never forget. Then they tell you what he, do, 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 do. they tell you what they told them. You are like, yee, although you even love the person. See, remember what I told you about carrying second generation offense? If you love a person and they tell you how another person offended them, you not just carry their offense, you carry your own offense. So you are carrying second generation offense. So you must be very careful what you hear. You should learn to shield yourself from offense. And don't be quick to listen to only one side of the story. Okay? Even if somebody, you love them so much, if they are telling you what happened to them, sympathize with them. But be willing to listen to the other side of the story. That's wisdom. That's what we call the wisdom of living with people. You have to learn how to live with people. Not just someone tells you, No, you must be willing to listen to both sides of the story. You listen and say, oh, that's what happened. Oh my goodness, that was so sad. Okay, um, let me hear what he also has to say. <laughs> then you can form a proper opinion. Because those words, those words carry feelings. They carry desires. They carry purposes. It says we hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. So the thoughts and feelings and purposes of God are in his word. 
That's what the, the Bible says. In, 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 the, in, in Isaiah chapter 55, you begin Isaiah 55 is 8, 10, I think it should be 11. And if you, you don't, the, the, um, you, you should have two amplified versions, right? Okay, give me the one that you have. Blessed be God. Go down. Oh, Aliwama Yesu. Oh, Aliwama Yesu. Oh, Go down. Okay, this is not the amplified version I'm looking for. Uh, this is this is this is the classic amplified. There is the traditional, the normal one. Okay, it's it. So shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It says it shall not return to me void, without producing effect, any effect, but it shall accomplish that which I please. That word please can also be looked at as desire. The thing that pleases you, or in the context, the, 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 he's talking about the thing which I desire. Other versions will say the things that I desire. The word of God will accomplish that which he desires. Why? Because the word of God carries with it his. This is why when God tells you something, you develop the desire for it. The passion for it. Because the word of God in you does not just enable you to do it also causes you to love what you're doing. Are you listening to me? So, in, within the word of God are the desires of God. Are you ready to now start carrying his desires? Yes, you can know, sometimes you can know how God feels about certain things when you read a scripture. When you hear the word of God, you can have an idea about what God feels about certain issues. You don't have to be in the dark. The Bible says, if you follow me, you will never walk in the dark. You don't have to say, mm, me, I can never know what goes on in the mind of God. You can know what goes on, not just in his mind, but in his feelings too. Because his words express his feelings. So when you, when you read certain scriptures, every time you read them, and you read them with spiritual intelligence, you will know how God was feeling when he was saying the things he was saying. No wonder there were certain prophets like Jeremiah, he was called the weeping prophet. Because every time he received the word from God, the intensity of it from God was so strong. He picked it. His spirit became sensitive. So as he communicated that word, he couldn't but cry. And as we communicate the word of God to you as I am, if you are sensitive to the spirit and you understand what I'm talking about the way I have talked about it, it means your spirit and your heart is open not only to receive the word of God blankly, but to know what's going on in the feelings of God. So you can boldly say, do you know what God thinks about this? Do you know how this makes God feel? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit that is within us, he grieves. That means he's a God of feelings. Please, God is not a robot. He has feelings. He can get hurt. He can get excited. In Matthew chapter number 4, the Bible says the heavens were torn open. The word there is rent. The heaven, he just didn't open the mind. Um, that's my son in whom I'm like so well pleased. No. Okay? The Bible says the heavens were torn open. You can imagine that means God was excited. The Bible says the angels throw a party. That's what it says, Message Bible. When one sinner gets saved. So you who are too serious in church, I don't know why you are happy. Let me, tell you, let me tell you this. 
there is an inherent desire in every human being to be entertained. That's why we have the soul. No matter how deep you become, you will want something to entertain you. All of you have got something that entertains you. It could be music. It could be football. It could be uh, playing. It could be a hobby. Why? It's natural within us human beings. And God created us to be like him. That means God also expresses his emotions. He said, this is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. Glory to my name. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? So that means God feels happy. The Bible says, the wicked are after the righteous. But the God who lives in the heavens, he scoffs, he laughs. God laughs. He does, he laughs. If not, why was he playing with children? Some of us, the God we have in our minds, he can't play with children. They are still growing. They've got deeper issues. No. No. Learn to be nice. You are godlike. You are a child of God. And some of you, you are not adults of God. You are a child of God. Please. No wonder you don't do memory verses. You think it's for children. Why? Because you are an adult of God. Namkula. No, remain a child. You should know what your father wants. You should always have his word in your heart. You must be willing to recite scriptures. I don't recite scriptures because I'm a man of God. No. I started reciting scriptures when I was like six. It's been my life. I don't have a life besides the word of God. I would dry up. How do people manage to be skipping church the way they skip? How do people manage? And you can find the person is okay. They are fine. The whole week they've not gone to church. They are fine. <sighs> do you know that people who are spiritually dead don't know that they are spiritually dead? He says they've got eyes. He says to fulfill what Isaiah the prophet said, so that although they've got eyes, they will not see. Although they've got ears, they will not hear. You can become comfortable in law falling. Because we've got a capacity within us. If we do something consistently to build it within our structure, everything you do consistently can become a part of you. Afterwards, you will not even need temptation. Satan would have already settled it. You don't, are you? You just have to sit down and the day passes. Why did you come? I was busy. Man, kala busy. Whatever. No, may that never be your portion. It's shocking. How someone can go for a month they are fine. They've not been to church. When people told me, I, I, let me tell you one thing that used to upset me. Someone telling me, ah, I'm a man of God because I'm praying or I'm quoting scriptures. When people tell you you are a man of God, a woman of God because you're quoting scriptures, it's an expression of laziness and inferiority. Let me explain. When somebody is excellent, we who are watching them have a tendency to feel inferior. So we we'll ascribe a position to them or a calling to them so that it looks like they are only doing it because they are who we think they are. But if they were normal human beings like us, they wouldn't do that because they would be lazing around like us. 
So in order to nurse our unseriousness, our inferiority, when someone is growing spiritually, we start giving them names holier than thou. Maybe she is just holier than thou, actually. My boosa. Why you, because, because you are saying, Kai, it's just that she's a my boosa, that's why she's doing that. Laziness. So, within the word of God are the feelings of God, the purposes and the heart of God expressed. Hallelujah. So, it is the will of God. In his word, we discover that it is the will of God above all things that we may prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. So, number one, it is actually the will of God that we should prosper. Now, this kind of prosperity is not prosperity in health because he talked about health. So this, this is not being repetitive, no. He's talking about actual wealth, prosperity in wealth. He also, and then we, we went, just to prove it to you, went deeper in the Greek and we looked at Udo, okay? And Udo is a word which means to find help on the road. And Revelation filled us so much we couldn't move from here. We just started talking about the Tibuela anointing and all that guy. Oh boy, that, that was amazing, you know? Glory to God. So, uh, you don't mean number one to find help on the road. Somebody say find help in the road. On the road. Okay? So it also means to succeed in reaching. To prosper means to succeed in reaching. To succeed in reaching. You will reach before June next year. Oh, some, some brothers didn't catch the revelation. I'll repeat it again. I said, for those that are eligible, you will reach by June next year. Okay, let me do it again. I said, you will reach in Jesus' name. It means to succeed in reaching. It also means, and you know, to reach, you need money. So in that word is the ability for you to reach. In the word of God is the money. So when you receive that seed, you testify. Glory to God. Even those on buns. Received for in the future. Even, even to be, listen, this is important. To reach where you are going, to successfully reach, you need support. It takes prosperity also to finish up the ministry that God has given us. Do you know that everyone has been given a ministry by God? In Colossians, I think, 4.17, he says, tell Archippus to finish the ministry which he received in Christ Jesus. Every time we give our lives to Jesus and we begin our walk with the Lord, we receive a ministry individually. Some of you will be shocked when God will be judging you for being lazy. You received a ministry, you thought, no, this is just for men of God. Okay. Know this, that you all have an individual ministry. There are things that God wants you to do and you will complete, you successfully finish up. There are people, you've been in church three months, you are still suggesting which department to join. What are you doing? 
You are still, and then at your age, you should be coming late to church, most of you. What about when you are 50? We should just forget, because these habits, they die hard. And to come late for an afternoon service takes deliberate effort. You, you meant to come late. You meant to come, you decided you become, you. You have to change your mind. The bus left you, the bus left you. Afternoon service. That should never be the case. I said that should never be the case. If this message is touching you, you are in the right church. And the pastor talking to you is the one that Jesus Christ who saved you appointed to speak to you. Praise God. Change. Okay. It means to succeed. Now, here's the important. Is, 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 we get to the second part of Udo now. The third part. Udo means to succeed in business affairs. So when God says that, I pray that you may prosper. He's saying that you should reach. He's saying that uh, you should find help. He's also saying that in your business affairs, you should prosper. God wants you to prosper in your business affairs. It's within the wisdom of God and his word that in our business affairs, we must prosper. You shall know, you know, already, just knowing the truth makes you free. The Bible says you shall know the truth. Just remember, knowing the truth, remember the, the, the exam, example I gave you? You woke up late, there was an exam at nine, you woke up at exactly nine hours, and you have to take like a one-hour journey to where you're supposed to go. As you are going, you remembered Zesco is ministering, so you can't check if people have started or not on your WhatsApp group. And you are just, you just can't wait. The bus conductor is taking his time, calling the person who is miles away. Very busy. And you are just there waiting. You are late. You don't even understand what, what happened. Oh my goodness. You know, and then suddenly the phone goes on because you had, you remember you had a power bank in these days when Zesco is ministering. So you plug in your power bank. And it goes on, and then you find a message. Today's test has been shifted to Friday next week. What does that knowledge do to you? It makes you free. You may not even be fully ready for the exam, but at least you know. See? So the knowledge of God makes you free. So to know, just to know that it's God's desire for you to prosper, you should rest in that knowledge. Are you listening to me? You should be free. Stop thinking, oh, I'm so poor, I'm so broke, I don't even know. It. No, 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 no. You can begin thinking like this also. Oh, it's God's will that I may prosper, that I may succeed in my business affairs. I am so glad that it is God's will that I should pass my exams. You see, it is God's will that you should prosper. Please, please, please never forget this. Because sometimes you end up asking, so me, why isn't it happening the way it's happening to everyone? What's wrong with me? Or is it that there's something that God wants to teach me? No, the will of God is not something that changes easily. It's his will. It remains. At least you know it's God's will. For me, when I know that it's God's will that something should happen, if it's not happening, I'll not start questioning God. I'll start asking God, are there ways we can make this happen? Because I can't question that it is your will that this happens. So question is, is there a way that we can work around this to make it happen? 
There's a difference between having a question and questioning things. It's not everything we don't understand, but men have got an affinity to question things they don't understand. And that is an error. You don't question things you don't understand. You can only question things when you fully understand them and they are in error. But when you completely do not understand things, do not question them, have questions about them. For example, you walk in here and everybody is speaking in tongues at once. Don't say, ah, this is so crazy. Why is everybody talking in a strange language at once? You are questioning things that are too high for you. We are not crazy. We've been to school. We've been educated too. You should ask us instead, why are they doing what they are doing? Let's have a conversation. Let's show you what the scriptures say versus perhaps what you think. Let's reason together. See, educated people think like that. And you are educated. Even if you are not, you are. How are you able to listen to all this English? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't be too critical. How about criticize? That kill spirit made break in Jesus' name. So it is the will of God that you succeed in your business affairs. Now, the word you do, which, translated, which translates to business affairs, can also mean contextually in your school, because your school is your business. Okay? But basically, it's cir circling, or the circumference is uh, around the parameters of things you do that give you money. Things you do that give you wealth. Praise the Lord. Now, the same word is used in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse 2, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and this is what he tells them. He says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be, collection, that there may be no collections when I come. Have you seen that word, prosper? That word prosper is you do. And when you look at the context of the scripture, he's talking about money. He's saying, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. He's saying, please, keep certain things, keep money, save up money, so that when I come, we don't have to hold a partnership service. Just keep, keep storing money and give it every Sunday, so that when I come, I can just collect the money so that it will be easier. He's giving them advice. Now, I want us to do an expository study on this scripture. Are you ready? In, in my version, it says, upon the first day of the week, every one of you, every one of you, number one, he says, every one of you, said on the first day of the week, that's to mean every Sunday. Every one of you, what does every one of you mean? Let me tell you, the Greek meaning of the word everyone hey. <laughs> is everybody. Hey. That's the Greek meaning. It's deep. I was looking at this scripture and I was wondering. First, let's finish this. He says every Sunday, he says Every Sunday, on the first day of the week, when you meet, on the first day of every week, meaning every Sunday, every Sunday, 
all of you. Are you listening to that? Then he says, is to put something aside in proportion to his prosperity and save it so that no saving. He talks about saving. He's saying, nobody is exempted from giving. Nobody is exempt from giving. That's a more correct English. Now, I was looking at this scripture and I was asking, why is Paul not considerate of those people that are poor? Because there were probably people who didn't have money. But this man is speaking by the Spirit and he says, let every... By the way, I'm not the one who wrote this stuff, just in case you are thinking, I want your money. I don't know if you can see my name there. I'm just trying to separate myself from the authority of the scripture. Because sometimes when you preach the word, we become one, so people stop seeing the distinction. <laughs> it's, it's possible. People can stop seeing the distinction. So I have to show you at it. Let everybody of you the reason you don't give is because you don't save and you're not deliberate. And, and don't worry, I'm about to give you something proper. I'm going somewhere. Okay? You will get to the cool stuff. But endure the hardship for now. The shovaling. Amen. Amen. So, if you disagree with the giving, go talk to Jesus. Tell him, I disagree with what you wrote in your word. If you are deeper than Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so question, why? And then when you constantly look at the scriptures, listen brothers and sisters, when you constantly look at the scriptures, you find this kind of language. I'm going to give you the reason why he said, everyone must store up something to give. When you look at their law, they were actually told that every time they are doing a harvest, they should not harvest everything. They should leave a few things so that those who are poor amongst them should pick things to eat. That's how come if you read the book of Ruth, as the young men were harvesting, Ruth was also picking the corn. He was picking the stuff that was left behind. It was according to the law. If you have farmed you don't just take everything. You leave a few things. Then, I don't know if you, anyone who understands that. I'll get a few. I can work with that. See? So, God gave them that direction. Meaning, even the poor had something. Now, I want you to show, I want to show you the consistency of God's word. Look at Exodus chapter number 23, verse 15. 1-2-3, go.
read the next part together and loudly. Says none. So the word of God is becoming consistent. Eh? Says don't just come. Don't appear before me empty handed. Don't. That's God. Wasn't God considerate that there were people who were broke? Wasn't God considerate that there are people who just never had? Come on, talk to me. Now it was not just Paul. Eh? Let's go to God now. He's the one who's saying that. Ha! None should appear before me you should dip in your pocket that's what God is saying by the way it's not me again I'll keep detaching myself so that if you are offended but I know you are learning I know you are learning go to Exodus chapter number 32 verse 40 this, this kind of stuff I'm teaching you is consistent with the mind of God in the Old Testament, we just don't see the law. We also see the mind and the wisdom of God. For example, when he says six days you shall work, but the seventh day you shall go and worship. There's a revelational part of it, and Sabbath does not just mean a day. Sabbath is indicative of rest. So it was wrapped up in rest. It was a type and shadow of the rest which we would find in Jesus Christ when we believe in him. Because Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 all say that we who have believed have entered the Sabbath. So Jesus Christ therefore becomes the Lord of the Sabbath. And we who find Jesus Christ who is the actual figure and not the shadow, we have found the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is not in a day, it's in a person. This is why the Bible says in Colossians 2.16, let not anyone take you captive by observing days. It says all these things were a shadow. The problem is that a lot of people have rested in a shadow. It says the reality is in Christ. Look at that. So let no one judge you over food or drink or regarding festival or new moons or Sabbaths. Go on. And I'm not saying this to attack any doctrine. I'm just teaching you the word of God the way I've seen it. Okay. He says, which are a shadow of things to come. The substance is of Christ. So there is the revelational end of it. Why did God rest when he created the human being? He entered rest when he created Adam. He re was, it, was God tired? God was not tired. When God created Adam, he created somebody who would give him rest. So he didn't have to work anymore because Adam was available to work the earth. So he says, he who has believed in Jesus Christ has ceased from his works. Why? Because Jesus Christ worked everything that we could ever work and when we enter in him, we find that rest. Let me show you another scripture, Romans 14. Verse 1. Please, please, I want you to notice that I'm teaching you scriptures. Eh? I'm not attacking anyone, I'm teaching you scriptures. Look at that. It says, receive him who is weak in faith, but not disputes over doubtful things. Uh-huh. Look at that. For one believes he may eat all things, 
but he who is only eats so if a person only eats vegetables what is God saying about them so bring me pork bring me crocodile come on somebody let me show you my faith amen praise God Okay? Now, what he is basically saying is, don't discuss those things. They are not necessary. They just bring about disputes. Because whether a person decides to keep the Sabbath, whether they decide to eat, he says they do it unto God. So if their level of faith allows them to do what they are doing, because that's what they believe, they can't go deeper because it will injure their conscience. It will injure their conscience. They will feel like they've sinned against God. He says, don't force people to observe a Sunday when they believe in a Saturday. Leave them. If they believe in Jesus, that's all. That's what he's saying. He says, not over disputing things. At the end of the day, we'll all go to heaven. But I'll tell you this. We who express a higher faith in many things will get greater rewards because we cannot please God without faith. So he says, one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. The, person, the fact that the person is weak doesn't mean they are not a human being. The fact that someone is weak in faith does not make them any less of a Christian if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his death. Go on. Let him who eats despise him who does not... Let him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not... And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. So even though they are weak in faith, God has received them. So you judging, that is, that's not important. That topic is not important. That's what he's trying to say. Because God has received us both. Go on. He says, who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Those who say those who worship on Sunday have the mark of the beast are even worse than you who knows they are weak in faith but you keep quiet. Because them, they are judging you. Let me show you further. He says, to his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is the one who makes him able to stand. Read on. Then he says, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike because every day is alike. The reality is in Jesus. That's our revelation. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Stop forcing things on people. There are better topics to focus on. That's what he's trying to say. But be strong in faith. Keep growing in faith. Know what the true knowledge of God is and grow in it. And become an overcomer. Because the Bible says this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith. Are you listening to me? So, there is the revelational end of types and shadows, but there's a wisdom end. So the revelational end, for example, is that Jesus Christ is an expression of the Sabbath. It's not in a day, it's in a person. If you're following a day, then you are in the shadow. Start walking. Start walking. Priscilla, how are you? That's how some people are. We are fixed with the shadow. Nishua, telling me, come, come. Walk back, walk back, walk back, walk back. Quickly, quickly. Start telling me to come. Slowly, walk slowly, slow, walk slowly. No, but I'm following. No, I'm here. You, but you are here. You see, I'm fixed on the shadow. I'm fixed in a day. But the reality is calling me. But because he says, because of the person he is, he has accepted me. But imagine now if I'm close to him and walking with him like this. 
it makes a whole lot of a difference. Are you listening to me? It makes a whole lot of a difference. So there is a revelation of but then there's a wisdom end of it. The wisdom end of it is this. You will work seven days. Please come to church on the last day. Make your Sundays untouchables or, or your Saturdays, whatever you believe, make them untouchable. Because you can dedicate the day wholly unto God to go worship him, to go serve. All of you have a ministry. For me, Saturdays and Sundays are untouchable. Not because I'm a pastor. It's how I've always been. I can do anything. I've been to school. I can work. I'm doing businesses. I was, I was very upset and very impressed. I went to buy. I don't know. I had these mixed feelings. I was so disappointed. I don't know. I was just, the word is messed up. I went to buy, I went to buy a, 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 um, a power bank in Mobile Monsters. And when I reached there, I found it was closed. I, I first reached Mobile City, I found it was closed. Then I went to Mobile Monsters, I found it was closed. I was like, what's wrong? Where's everyone? So I asked a lady who was selling beside, and she told me, um, oh, they've gone for prayers because I think they're Muslims or something. So they close at a specific time to go for prayers. And guess what? We waited for them until they came back. And when they came back, we flooded their shop. Ah! Then you, Sunday, we have to beg you, please don't come. You who is full of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you talk in tongues. You've got the wisdom of the Spirit within you. Yet you still... You, you see how I was so... I was so, I was so I was so disturbed for a while. I saw Linda. I didn't even care. I just let her pass. <laughs> we are afraid we will lose our business if we come to church on Sunday. We are afraid. We know God has, given, has not given us a spirit of fear, but we are afraid. We are afraid. You don't want to lose your friendships. So you have to balance up going to school and church. You are afraid. You are afraid that if you spend one hour in church, at least to listen to the sermon, you will fail. You are afraid. No wonder they are stepping, us, they are stepping on us out there in the world. You know those people you kill satanists? When they are told, go kill everyone in a bus. They don't even question. They just start off. When we tell you, can you be bringing five kwacha every once in a month? Yet in you, in whom the totality of the obedience of the Christ has been expressed by your faith in him. Hi. Somebody say things must change. Somebody say not in, in, my, in, my, in, in my generation. So the wisdom end of it is that Make sure you set your Sunday and Saturdays aside to serve God. At the end of the day, that's what will matter. Don't you get it? God won't ask you there at the bank where you're working or in school, where were you getting those grades? The question will be what to do. And God just asks for Saturday and Sunday. That's all he asks for. Yet you've decided me, I'll struggle with it. 
and you're a believer. Yet people out there who wait, we waited, I'm telling you, I waited till they opened with other people. We waited. If you give yourself holy to God, customers will wait when you are in church. They will wait and want to buy from you. Don't worry. Leave it. You will still go back. It will work. Say, let me give priorities. Let me go to God. Save him. Worship. Get back. It will work. Be a bit stubborn about it. The same people, some of you may be calling a week in faith. They would rather not write an exam than miss service on a Saturday. I don't know why we just become so undedicated. It's strange. It's a strange sickness we should deal with. You can't. You are in class. They say, let's have a class on Saturday. No, you have it on Sunday. You have it on Sunday, then you send us a report. I'm unable to come because we're having class. Then we'll understand. There's a strange weakness we must reject in our generation. We should reject it with all our power. So the wisdom end of it is that this is an expression of the personality and substance of God. That God thinks that every one of us when we come to church, we must not come empty handed. It's not just a law. It's revealing the wisdom of God concerning our giving. Oh, I'm talking about Exodus 34, verse 20. Did we read it? Exodus 34, verse 20. That's another scripture. Look at it. Ah, you will not forget today. If you forget it, I will send you the podcast. Give it to me in the NKJV. NKJV. Okay. One, two, three, go. Together, one, two, three, go. He says none. He didn't say the rich. He said none. Again, again, he repeats it. He says, none of you should appear before me empty-handed. Have you seen the consistency of God's personality? It's one thing if I only showed you a scripture once. But when I show you a scripture consistently, it's showing that God is emphasizing. Let me show you another one. Deuteronomy chapter number 16, verse 16. NKJV. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. Stop there. They shall not appear before God consistently saying, even in the New Testament, if Paul repeats it in the New Testament, then it was not a revelational thing. It's an expression of the wisdom of God. 
So he repeats the same thing. He says, every one of you must save up and everyone. Now question is, why is it so consistent and God is constantly telling us that we should all not appear before him empty and handed, but we should give something. The next verse proves it. Go on. 17. Uh-huh. Right there is the answer. It means everyone experiences the blessing of the Lord. When I was reading this scripture, I was asking, how does it mean that everyone experiences the blessing of God? Everyone on the face of the earth, even the poor, even the broke of the brokiest, all of them experience the blessing of God in proportionality. So we all have access to the blessing of God in different proportions. There's nobody who can say, I've never experienced the blessing of God. When you read, when you read Psalm chapter 35, chapter 33 verse 5, the Bible says, he loveth righteousness and judgment. Then he says, the earth is full. The earth is full. It's filled with the goodness of God. In Shangombo, in PHI, in Salama Park, in Kasama, even, even, even under the bridge, the Bible says the earth is full. There's nowhere where the goodness of God has never reached. There's no person that the goodness of God does not touch. It says the goodness of God is everywhere. Then he says, then he says in Isaiah 6 verse 1, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, two he covered his feet, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Listen to this, verse 3 of Isaiah 6. And one cried to another. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his cabod. It's full of his glory. The whole earth. You see a person picking maize on the ground and eating. That's the goodness of God. You may think it's not. It is. They even picked food to eat on the ground. That's the goodness of God. Somebody begged and they ate. They were given. That's the goodness of God. Because while the goodness of God is in hell, there is no expression of the goodness of God. There's no expression of the presence of God. Not even water on your pinky can be accessed. It's dry because the presence and goodness of God in any proportionality is absent. It's absent. So you wake up today and you are thinking, mm, away. I'm blocked today. The Lord is not good to me. You haven't breathed air. now why the Bible says, be thankful in everything. See? He says, in, in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, you are becoming now more acquainted, I think it should be 8 verse 8, he says, you are becoming more acquainted of the mercies of God, of the goodness of God. Oh, for your sakes, he became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. 
It's the wisdom of God. It's the knowledge. I mean, it's the will of God that we must be rich. Are you listening to me? Not just to have enough. God wants us to be rich. But walking in the equation of the richness of God sometimes may take a journey of beginning to notice the little that you've had and giving glory to him because you said, Lord, thank you. Even those I just asked and someone gave me, I know you are the one who's given me because there's nothing that we ever had that was not from God. The Bible says, given it shall be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Luke 6, 38. That means, sometimes even stingy people, I was surprised, this uncle does not give money. She just, he's just sent money. God is working out something to make sure you are blessed. But no one is incapable of giving. I know sometimes it may go a week, you don't have anything. But look, when you put your mind to it, and you believe God according to his word, you always serve up even a one quarter to come and give. Even a one quarter. Because every time you give, you are saying, Lord, I'm aware that even this one quarter I had was because you gave me. When you begin growing in the faithfulness of, of the word of God and noticing that it is God who gives you even the little that you have, You'll be very uncomfortable not giving if it ever happens that you come to Sunday on a church and you never had anything to give. I know sometimes you can be in that place where it's just difficult. But you know, for some people, it's difficult to give. They are not even upset or they are not even touched about it. They are fine. They are doing just fine. They are okay. There are different categories of, of givers. There are those who have and they give. There are those who have and they don't give. There are those who don't have but they want to give. Then there are those who don't have, they don't even want to give when they, when they have. Which one are you? I'm teaching you the wisdom of the spirit towards your prosperity. The moment you begin seeing every little thing, you start seeing God in what every little thing is doing. Oh my goodness, I've, I even found a pastor who's able to rebuke me and give me proper wisdom. Oh Lord, I'm so thankful. Not you are offended. You didn't even hear anything that God was saying. Everything you picked was offense. Pirikiti, pirikiti. I hope that your offense takes you to heaven. <laughs> End of part one. Hey, let's rise up. Praise God. Oh, you better clap. I think this was a good word. To say yes, sir. And then the Bible goes on to say, hey, hey, if you are obedient, you are calling the Bible Alaba Shakebre no Sokono. Peter chapter 3. I feel the anointing to teach this thing. The light, if the light goes on, it's not enough. It's not enough for the light to go on. The Bible says the light shines. It shines. No, my light will not just go on. Hold 
No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, no, no. It's, it's not enough that you feel perfect. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout it under my sensing in the atmosphere look I don't know what you are believing God for but there's this peace I keep sensing in the atmosphere the Bible says he shall keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him the moment you focus your heart and your mind on Jesus the moment you focus on the word of God is the moment that everything else will fade away and everything will really fade away. And you begin seeing the power of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Victory is mine. Do you know those songs? Okay. We'll get back to them. Victory today is mine. Oh, 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 I told Satan, you better get behind me. Because victory today is mine. Let me tell you. Can everybody clap it? Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Oh, I told Satan, you better get behind. Victory today is mine. Everybody sing it out. Say, victory is mine. Victory. We take it higher. Oh, 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 I don't say you better. Okay. Victory is mine. It's going higher. Victory is mine again. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, you better get behind me. Joy is mine. Joy is mine. Joy. I like that. I don't say that. 
side. Let me see your notepads. Get up, Shakaya. Brandos Dagiagahai. You know, I just feel like something good is about to hit you. Yeah. Now you've known how to respond. The Bible says, open your mouth and I'll fill you with words. Sometimes a point will touch you the way it doesn't touch anyone. You, you missed it. The seed didn't get sown in you because you refused to scream. Or just to say hallelujah. I know there are people who have overempowered, but <laughs> blessed be God. So we've been looking at kingdom prosperity. Now, I want you to know something. Um, uh, young adults conference, I mean, your, your meeting, let me make these comments. You guys were so excellent. You were so amazing. Let's give them a hand. So that end of a conference should mark the beginning of a ministry. You are not done. You will do great exploits. And every young adult shouts, Amen. Amen. All right. So we began looking at money. We are dealing with uh, part one. We did part one of. Um, kingdom prosperity we are dealing with finances kingdom prosperity and uh, part one was the wisdom of the spirit but this is going to be part 1a we continue with the wisdom of the spirit and uh, I'm just going to believe God for utterance because I know there are different people with different needs but I'm convinced no one doesn't need money I'm very convinced no matter how someone can be offended because they were talking about money in church, secretly they want. It's just the spirit of religion that hates discussions on money. And where else would you rather hear about money than in church? Because we teach you the word of God. So every devil that has made you believe they are out for money when they talk about money should get out from your office. Praise the Lord. So you're all welcome. All those that are, are visiting us for the first time, my name is Pastor Daniel Kaira. And uh, I am believing God. I'm believing God that by the end of this sermon, you will hear God that that is your pastor. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And I'm very engaged. Okay, so we were looking at, um, <laughs> just in case. So we were looking at, um, we were looking at the wisdom of God concerning prosperity. Remember, let me see your notepads. Ah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Those that don't have notepads, God help you next week that you should come with a notepad. Okay. I mean, if you don't take notes in church, where do you take notes? Get your phone, put it on silent, and take notes. I will spare you the conversation I wanted to have with you today. Praise God. This doesn't apply to the visitors, by the way. It's for those who've been coming for a while. 
So, um, our scripture was 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things, above all things, okay, he says, that you may prosper. I wish above all things. Somebody say above all things. So he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper. So he begins by talking about prosperity, right? He says, above all things, number one, I wish that you may prosper. Meaning it's within the desire of God that we should prosper. That's amazing. And the word of God reveals the desires of God. And the word of God comes with both the desire of God and the power of God to fulfill his desire. So the word of God does, listen to me, this is powerful. The word of God does not just come in order to empower you or to teach you something. The word of God comes with it, the desires and purposes of God. So when we are communicating the word of God to you, we are not just communicating spiritual knowledge. We are communicating to you God's desires. This is why the Bible says we have his feelings, his thoughts, his purposes in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Amplified. It should be the second last uh, scripture. It says we carry the thoughts, the feelings of God. How? It's in his word. Has anyone who is bitter ever talked to you? By the time they are done talking to you, you even start feeling bitter in your mouth. Have you ever, have you, pain has a voice. You can tell. You can tell when somebody is speaking out of pain. You can even feel it. Okay, this person was offended. If they are telling you, can you imagine what they did to me in public? Nish, everyone is watching. Then he told me things I'll never forget. Then they tell you what he told, 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 told. They tell you what they told them. You are like, yee, although you even love the person. See, remember what I told you about carrying second generation offense? If you love a person and they tell you how another person offended them, you not just carry their offense, you carry your own offense. So you are carrying second generation offense. So you must be very careful what you hear. You should learn to shield yourself from offense. And don't be quick to listen to only one side of the story. Okay? Even if somebody, you love them so much, if they are telling you what happened to them, sympathize with them. But be willing to listen to the other side of the story. That's wisdom. That's what we call the wisdom of living with people. You have to learn how to live with people. Not just someone tells you, Naewa Purina Monge Chukuropokirikiti, Wabiriva. No, you must be willing to listen to both sides of the story. You listen and say, oh, that's what happened. Oh my goodness, that was so sad. Okay, um, let me hear what he also has to say. <laughs> then you can form a proper opinion. Because those words, those words car carry feelings. They carry desires. They carry purposes. It says, we hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. So the thoughts and feelings and purposes of God are in his word. That's what the, the Bible says in, 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 the, in, in Isaiah chapter 55. You begin Isaiah 55, it's 8, 10, I think it should be 11. And if you, you don't, the, the, um, you, you should have two amplified versions, right? Okay, give me the one that you have. Blessed be God. 
go down. Oh, Ariwama, yes, oh, Ariwama, yes, oh, oh, Go down. Okay. This is not the amplified version I'm looking for. Uh, this is this is this is the classic amplified. There is the traditional, the normal one. Okay? It's it so shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It says, It shall not return to me void without producing effect, any effect. But it shall accomplish that which I please. That word please can also be looked at as desire. The thing that pleases you, or in the context, the, 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 he's talking about the thing which I desire. Other versions will say the things that I desire. The word of God will accomplish that which he desires. Why? Because the word of God carries with it his. This is why when God tells you something, you develop the desire for it. The passion for it. Because the word of God in you does not just enable you to do it also causes you to laugh what you're doing. Are you listening to me? So, in, within the word of God are the desires of God. Are you ready to now start carrying his desires? Yes, you can know, sometimes you can know how God feels about certain things when you read a scripture. When you hear the word of God, you can have an idea about what God feels about certain issues. You don't have to be in the dark. The Bible says, if you follow me, you will never walk in the dark. You don't have to say, mm, me, I can never know what goes on in the mind of God. You can know what goes on, not just in his mind, but in his feelings too. Because his words express his feelings. So when you, when you read certain scriptures, every time you read them, and you read them with spiritual intelligence, you will know how God was feeling when he was saying the things he was saying. No wonder there were certain prophets like Jeremiah, he was called the weeping prophet. Because every time he received the word from God, the intensity of it from God was so strong. He picked it, his spirit became sensitive. So as he communicated that word, he couldn't but cry. And as we communicate the word of God to you as I am, if you are sensitive to the spirit and you understand what I'm talking about the way I've talked about it, it means your spirit and your heart is open not only to receive the word of God blankly, but to know what's going on in the feelings of God. So you can boldly say, do you know what God thinks about this? Do you know how this makes God feel? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit that is within us, he grieves. That means he's a God of feelings. Please, God is not a robot. He has feelings. He can get hurt. He can get excited. In Matthew chapter number 4, the Bible says the heavens were torn open. The word there is rent. The heaven, he just didn't open them. Um, that's my son in whom I'm like so well pleased. No. Okay. The Bible says the heavens were torn open. You can imagine that means God was excited. The Bible says the angels throw a party. That's what it says. Message Bible. When one sinner gets saved. So you who are too serious in church, I don't know why you are happy. Let me, tell you, let me tell you this. There is an inherent desire in every human being to be entertained. That's why we have the soul. No matter how deep you become, you will want something to entertain you. All of you have got something that entertains you. It could be music. It could be football. It could be uh, playing. It could be a hobby. 
Why? It's natural within us human beings. And God created us to be like him. That means God also expresses his emotions. He said, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased, glory to my name. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? So that means God feels happy. The Bible says, the wicked are after the righteous, but the God who lives in the heavens, he's coughed, he laughs, God laughs. He does, he laughs. If not, why was he playing with children? Some of us, the God we have in our minds, he can't play with children. They are still growing. They've got deeper issues. No, no, learn to be nice. You are godlike. You are a child of God. And some of you, you are not adults of God. You are a child of God, please. No wonder you don't do memory verses. You think it's for children. Why? Because you are an adult of God. Namkula. No, remain a child. You should know what your father wants. You should always have his word in your heart. You must be willing to recite scriptures. I don't recite scriptures because I'm a man of God. No. I started reciting scriptures when I was like six. It's been my life. I don't have a life besides the word of God. I will dry up. How do people manage to be skipping church the way they skip? How do people manage? And you can find the person is okay. They are fine. The whole week they've not gone to church. They are fine. <sighs> do you know that people who are spiritually dead don't know that they are spiritually dead? He says they've got eyes. He says to fulfill what Isaiah the prophet said, so that although they've got eyes, they will not see. Although they've got ears, they will not hear. You can become comfortable in law falling because we've got a capacity within us. If we do something consistently to build it within our structure, everything you do consistently can become a part of you. Afterwards, you will not even need temptation. Satan would have already settled it. You don't, are you? You just have to sit down and the day passes. Why did you come? I was busy. Whatever. No, may that never be your portion. It's shocking. How someone can go for a month they are fine. They've not been to church. When people told me, I, I, let me tell you one thing that used to upset me. Someone telling me, ah, I'm a man of God because I'm praying or I'm quoting scriptures. When people tell you you are a man of God, a woman of God because you're quoting scriptures, it's an expression of laziness and inferiority. Let me explain. When somebody is excellent, we who are watching them have a tendency to feel inferior. So we we'll ascribe a position to them or a calling to them so that it looks like they are only doing it because they are who we think they are. But if they were normal human beings like us, they wouldn't do that because they would be lazing around like us. So in order to nurse our unseriousness, our inferiority, when someone is growing spiritually, we start giving them names, holier than thou. Maybe she is just holier than thou, actually. My Bosa, 
Why you because because you are saying Kai, it's just that she's a my booster, that's why she's doing that. Laziness. So within the word of God are the feelings of God, the purposes and the heart of God expressed. Hallelujah. So it is the will of God. In his word, we discover that it is the will of God above all things that we may prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. So, number one, it is actually the will of God that we should prosper. Now, this kind of prosperity is not prosperity in health because he talked about health. So, this, this is not being repetitive. No, he's talking about actual wealth, prosperity in wealth. He also and then we, we went, just to prove it to you, went deeper in the Greek and we looked at Udo, okay? And Udo is a word which means to find help on the road. And Revelation filled us so much we couldn't move from here. We just started talking about the Tibuela anointing and all that guy. Oh boy, that, that was amazing, you know? Glory to God. So, uh, Udo means number one, to find help on the road. Somebody say find help in the road. On the road. Okay, so it also means to succeed in reaching. To prosper means to succeed in reaching. To succeed in reaching. You will reach before June next year. Oh, some, some brothers didn't catch the revelation. I'll repeat it again. I said, for those that are eligible, you will reach by June next year. Okay, let me do it again. I said, you will reach in Jesus' name. Okay. So, it means to succeed in reaching. It also means, and you know, to reach, you need money. So, in that word is the ability for you to reach. is the money. So when you receive that seed, you testify. Glory to God. Even those on bands, they've received for in the future. Even, even to be, listen, this is important. To reach where you are going, to successfully reach, you need support. Takes prosperity also to finish up the ministry that God has given us. Do you know that everyone has been given a ministry by God? In Colossians, I think 4.17, he says, tell Archippus to finish the ministry which he received in Christ Jesus. Every time we give our lives to Jesus and we begin our walk with the Lord, we receive a ministry individually. Some of you will be shocked when God will be judging you for being lazy. You receive the ministry, you thought, no, this is just for men of God. Okay. Know this, that you all have an individual ministry. There are things that God wants you to do and you will complete, you successfully finish up. There are people, you've been in church three months, you are still suggesting which department to join. What are you doing? You are still... And then at your age, you should be coming late to church, most of you. What about when you are 50? We should just forget because these habits, they die hard. 
And to come late for an afternoon service takes deliberate effort. You, ooh, you meant to come late. You meant to come, you decided you become, you. You have to change your mind. The bus left you, the bus left you. Afternoon service. That should never be the case. I said that should never be the case. If this message is touching you, you are in the right church. And the pastor talking to you is the one that Jesus Christ who saved you appointed to speak to you. Praise God. Change. Okay. It means to succeed. Now, here's the important. Is, 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 we get to the second part of Udo now. The third part. Udo means to succeed in business affairs. So when God says that, I pray that you may prosper. He's saying that you should reach. He's saying that uh, you should find help. He's also saying that in your business affairs, you should prosper. God wants you to prosper in your business affairs. It's within the wisdom of God and his word that in our business affairs, we must prosper. You shall know, you know, already just knowing the truth makes you free. The Bible says you shall know the truth. Just remember knowing the truth. Remember the, the, the exam, example I gave you? You woke up late. There was an exam at nine. You woke up at exactly nine hours and you have to take like a one hour journey to where you're supposed to go. As you are going, you remembered Zesco is ministering, so you can't check if people have started or not on your WhatsApp group. And you are just, you just can't go. The bus conductor is taking his time, calling the person who is miles away. Body busy. And you are just there waiting. You are late. You don't even understand what, what happened. Oh my goodness. You know, and then suddenly the phone goes on because you had, you remember you had a power bank in these days when Zesco is ministering. So you plug in your power bank. And it goes on, and then you find a message. Today's test has been shifted to Friday next week. What does that knowledge do to you? It makes you free. You may not even be fully ready for the exam, but at least you know. See? So the knowledge of God makes you free. So to know, just to know that it's God's desire for you to prosper, you should rest in that knowledge. Are you listening to me? You should be free. Stop thinking, oh, I'm so poor, I'm so broke, I don't even know. It. No, 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 no. You can begin thinking like this also. Oh, it's God's will that I may prosper, that I may succeed in my business affairs. I am so glad that it is God's will that I should pass my exams. You see, it is God's will that you should prosper. Please, please, please never forget this. Because sometimes you end up asking, so me, why isn't it happening the way it's happening to everyone? What's wrong with me? Or is it that there's something that God wants to teach me? No, the will of God is not something that changes easily. It's his will, it remains. At least you know it's God's will. For me, when I know that it's God's will that something should happen, if it's not happening, I'll not start questioning God. I'll start asking God, are there ways we can make this happen? Because I can't question that it is your will that this happens. So question is, is there a way that we can work around this to make it happen? There's a difference between having a question and questioning things. It's not everything we don't understand, but men have got an affinity to question things they don't understand. And that is an error. 
you don't question things you don't understand. You can only question things when you fully understand them and they are in error. But when you completely do not understand things, do not question them, have questions about them. For example, you walk in here and everybody is speaking in tongues at once. Don't say, ah, this is so crazy. Why is everybody talking in a strange language at once? You are questioning things that are too high for you. We are not crazy. We've been to school. We've been educated too. You should ask us instead, why are they doing what they are doing? Let's have a conversation. Let's show you what the scriptures say. This is perhaps what you think. Let's reason together. See, educated people think like that. And you are educated. Even if you are not, you are. How are you able to listen to all this English? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't be too critical. That killy spirit made break in Jesus' name. So, it is the will of God that you succeed in your business affairs. Now, the word you do, which translated, which translates to business affairs can also mean contextually in your school because your school is your business, okay? But basically, it's cir circling or the circumference is uh, around the parameters of things you do that give you money, things you do that give you wealth. Praise the Lord. Now, the same word is used in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse 2, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and this is what he tells them. He says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be collection, that there may be no collections when I come. Have you seen that word prosper? That word prosper is you do. And when you look at the context of the scripture, he's talking about money. He's saying, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. He's saying, please, keep certain things, keep money, save up money, so that when I come, we don't have to hold a partnership service. Just keep, keep storing money and give it every Sunday, so that when I come, I can just collect the money, so that it will be easier. He's giving them advice. Now, I want us to do an expository study on this scripture. Are you ready? In, in, in my version, it says, upon the first day of the week, every one of you, every one of you, number one, he says, every one of you, said on the first day of the week, that's to mean every Sunday. Every one of you. What does every one of you mean? Let me tell you, the Greek meaning of the word everyone. Is everybody. That's the Greek meaning. It's deep. I was looking at this scripture and I was wondering. First, let's finish this. It says every Sunday. It says every Sunday on the first day of the week when you meet. On the first day of every week. Meaning every Sunday. Every Sunday, all of you. Are you listening to that? Then he says, is to put something aside. 
in proportion to his prosperity and save it so that no saving. He talks about saving. He's saying nobody is exempted from giving. Nobody is exempt from giving. That's a more correct English. Now I was looking at this scripture and I was asking, why is Paul not considerate of those people that are poor? Because there were probably people who didn't have money. But this man is speaking by the spirit and he says, let every... By the way, I'm not the one who wrote this stuff, just in case you are thinking, I want your money. I don't know if you can see my name there. I'm just trying to separate myself from the authority of the scripture. Because sometimes when you preach the word, we become one, so people stop seeing the distinction. <laughs> it's, it's possible. People can stop seeing the distinction. So I have to show you at it. Sinti ne nimulungu. Let everybody of you. The reason you don't give is because you don't save and you're not deliberate. And, and don't worry, I'm about to give you something proper. I'm going somewhere. Okay? You will get to the cool stuff. But endure the hardship for now. The shovaling. Amen. Amen. So, if you disagree with the giving, go talk to Jesus. Tell him, I disagree with what you wrote in your word. And she was deeper than Jesus. Okay. So question, why? And then when you constantly look at the scriptures, listen, brothers and sisters, when you constantly look at the scriptures, you find this kind of language. I'm going to give you the reason why he said everyone must store up something to give. When you look at their law, they were actually told that every time they are doing a harvest, they should not harvest everything. They should leave a few things so that those who are poor amongst them should pick things to eat. That's how come if you read the book of Ruth, as the young men were harvesting, Ruth was also picking the corn. He was picking the stuff that was left behind. It was according to the law. If you have farmed, you don't just take everything. You leave a few things. Then I don't know if you anyone who understands that. I get a few. I can work with that. See? So God gave them that direction. Meaning even the poor had something. Now, I want you to show, I want to show you the consistency of God's word. Look at Exodus chapter number 23, verse 15. 1-2-3, go.
read the next part together and loudly. Says none. So the word of God is becoming consistent. Eh? Says, don't just come. Don't appear before me empty-handed. Don't. That's God. Wasn't God considerate that there were people who were broke? Wasn't God considerate that there are people who just never had? Come on, talk to me. Now it was not just Paul. Eh? Let's go to God now. He's the one who's saying that. Ha! None should appear before me you should dip in your pocket that's what God is saying by the way it's not me again I'll keep detaching myself so that if you are offended but I know you are learning I know you are learning go to Exodus chapter number 32 verse 40 this, this kind of stuff I'm teaching you is consistent with the mind of God in the Old Testament, we just don't see the law. We also see the mind and the wisdom of God. For example, when he says six days you shall work, but the seventh day you shall go and worship. There's a revelational part of it, and Sabbath does not just mean a day. Sabbath is indicative of rest. So it was wrapped up in rest. It was a type and shadow of the rest which we would find in Jesus Christ when we believe in him. Because Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 all say that we who have believed have entered the Sabbath. So Jesus Christ therefore becomes the Lord of the Sabbath. And we who find Jesus Christ who is the actual figure and not the shadow, we have found the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is not in a day, it's in a person. This is why the Bible says in Colossians 2.16, let not anyone take you captive by observing days. It says all these things were a shadow. The problem is that a lot of people have rested in a shadow. It says the reality is in Christ. Look at that. So let no one judge you over food or drink or regarding festival or new moons or Sabbaths. Go on. And I'm not saying this to attack any doctrine. I'm just teaching you the word of God the way I've seen it. Okay. He says, which are a shadow of things to come. The substance is of Christ. So there is the revelational end of it. Why did God rest when he created the human being? He entered rest when he created Adam. He re was, it, was God tired? God was not tired. When God created Adam, he created somebody who would give him rest. So he didn't have to work anymore because Adam was available to work the earth. So he says, he who has believed in Jesus Christ has ceased from his works. Why? Because Jesus Christ worked everything that we could ever work and when we enter in him, we find that rest. Let me show you another scripture, Romans 14. Verse 1. Please, please, I want you to notice that I'm teaching you scriptures. Eh? I'm not attacking anyone, I'm teaching you scriptures. Look at that. It says, receive him who is weak in faith, but not disputes over doubtful things. Uh huh. Look at that. For one believes he may eat all things. 
but he who is only eats so if a person only eats vegetables what is God saying about them so bring me pork bring me crocodile come on somebody let me show you my faith amen praise God Okay, now what he is basically saying is don't discuss those things. They are not necessary. They just bring about disputes. Because whether a person decides to keep the Sabbath, whether they decide to eat, he says they do it unto God. So if their level of faith allows them to do what they are doing, because that's what they believe, they can't go deeper because it will injure their conscience. It will injure their conscience. They will feel like they've sinned against God. He says, don't force people to observe a Sunday when they believe in a Saturday. Leave them. If they believe in Jesus, that's all. That's what he's saying. He says, not over disputing things. At the end of the day, we'll all go to heaven. But I'll tell you this. We who express a higher faith in many things will get greater rewards because we cannot please God without faith. So he says, one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. The, person, the fact that the person is weak doesn't mean they are not a human being. The fact that someone is weak in faith does not make them any less of a Christian if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his death. Go on. Let him who eats despise him who does not. Let him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. So even though they are weak in faith, God has received them. So you judging, that is, that's not important. That topic is not important. That's what he's trying to say. Because God has received us both. Go on. He says, who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Those who say those who worship on Sunday have the mark of the beast are even worse than you who knows they are weak in faith but you keep quiet. Because them, they are judging you. Let me show you further. He says, to his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is the one who makes him able to stand. Read on. Then he says, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike because every day is alike. The reality is in Jesus. That's our revelation. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Stop forcing things on people. There are better topics to focus on. That's what he's trying to say. But be strong in faith. Keep growing in faith. Know what the true knowledge of God is and grow in it. And become an overcomer. Because the Bible says this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. Are you listening to me? So, there is the revelational end of types and shadows, but there's a wisdom end. So the revelational end, for example, is that Jesus Christ is an expression of the Sabbath. It's not in a day, it's in a person. If you're following a day, then you are in the shadow. Start walking. Start walking. Priscilla, how are you? That's how some people are. We are fixed with the shadow. Nishua, telling me, come, come. Walk back, walk back, walk back, walk back. Quickly, quickly. Start telling me to come. Slowly, walk slowly, slow, walk slowly. No, but I'm following. No, I'm here. You, but you are here. You see, I'm fixed on the shadow. I'm fixed in a day. But the reality is calling me. But because, he says, because of the person he is, he has accepted me. But imagine now if I'm close to him and walking with him like this. 
It makes a whole lot of a difference. Are you listening to me? It makes a whole lot of a difference. So there is a revelation of but then there's a wisdom end of it. The wisdom end of it is this. You will work seven days. Please come to church on the last day. Make your Sundays untouchables or, or your Saturdays, whatever you believe, make them untouchable. Because you can dedicate the day wholly unto God to go worship him, to go serve. All of you have a ministry. For me, Saturdays and Sundays are untouchable. Not because I'm a pastor. It's how I've always been. I can do anything. I've been to school. I can work. I'm doing businesses. I was, I was very upset and very impressed. I went to buy. I don't know. I had these mixed feelings. I was so disappointed. I don't know. I was just, the word is messed up. I went to buy, I went to buy a, 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 um, a power bank in Mobile Monsters. And when I reached there, I found it was closed. I, I first reached Mobile City, I found it was closed. Then I went to Mobile Monsters, I found it was closed. I was like, what's wrong? Where's everyone? So I asked the lady who was selling beside, and she told me, um, oh, they've gone for prayers because I think they're Muslims or something. So they close at a specific time to go for prayer. And guess what? We waited for them until they came back. And when they came back, we flooded their shop. Ah! The new Sunday, we have to beg you, please don't come. You who is full of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you talk in tongues. You've got the wisdom of the Spirit within you. Yet you still... You, you see how I was so, I was so, I was so, I was so disturbed for a while. I saw Linda, I didn't even care, I just let her pass. <laughs> we are afraid we will lose our business if we come to church on Sunday. We are afraid. We know God has, given, has not given us a spirit of fear, but we are afraid. We are afraid. You don't want to lose your friendships. So you have to balance up going to school and church. You are afraid. You are afraid that if you spend one hour in church, at least to listen to the sermon, you will fail. You are afraid. No wonder they are stepping, us, they are stepping on us out there in the world. You know those people you kill satanists? When they are told, go kill everyone in a bus. They don't even question. They just start off. When we tell you, can you be bringing five kwacha every once in a month? Yet in you, in whom the totality of the obedience of the Christ has been expressed by your faith in him. Hi. Somebody say things must change. Somebody say not in, in, my, in, my, in, in my generation. So the wisdom end of it is that Make sure you set your Sunday and Saturdays aside to serve God. At the end of the day, that's what will matter. Don't you get it? God won't ask you there at the bank where you're working or in school, where were you getting those grades? The question will be what to do. And God just asks for Saturday and Sunday. That's all he asks for. Yet you've decided me, I'll struggle with it. 
and you're a believer. Yet people out there, we, wait, we waited, I'm telling you, I waited till they opened with other people. We waited. If you give yourself holy to God, customers will wait when you are in church. They will wait and want to buy from you. Don't worry. Leave it. You will still go back. It will work. Say, let me give priorities. Let me go to God. Save him. Worship. Get back. It will work. Be a bit stubborn about it. The same people, some of you may be calling a week in faith. They would rather not write an exam than miss service on a Saturday. I don't know why we just become so undedicated. It's strange. It's a strange sickness we should deal with. You can't. You are in class. They say, let's have a class on Saturday. No, you have it on Sunday. You have it on Sunday. Then you send us a report. I'm unable to come because we're having class. Then we'll understand. There's a strange weakness we must reject in our generation. We should reject it with all our power. So the wisdom end of it is that this is an expression of the personality and substance of God. That God thinks that every one of us when we come to church, we must not come empty-handed. It's not just a law. It's revealing the wisdom of God concerning our giving. Oh, I'm talking about Exodus 34, verse 20. Did we read it? Exodus 34, verse 20. That's another scripture. Look at it. Ah, you will not forget today. If you forget it, I will send you the podcast. Give it to me in the NKJV. NKJV. Okay. One, two, three, go. Together, one, two, three, go. He says none. He didn't say the rich. He said none. Again, again. He repeats it. He says, none of you should appear before me empty-handed. Have you seen the consistency of God's personality? It's one thing if I only showed you a scripture once. But when I show you a scripture consistently, it's showing that God is emphasizing. Let me show you another one. Deuteronomy chapter number 16, verse 16. NKJV. One, two, three, go. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, go. Stop there. They shall not appear before God consistently saying, even in the New Testament, If Paul repeats it in the New Testament, then it was not a revelational thing. It's an expression of the wisdom of God. 
So he repeats the same thing. He says, every one of you must save up and everyone. Now question is, why is it so consistent and God is constantly telling us that we should all not appear before him empty and handed, but we should give something. The next verse proves it. Go on. 17. Uh-huh. Right there is the answer. It means everyone experiences the blessing of the Lord. When I was reading this scripture, I was asking, how does it mean that everyone experiences the blessing of God? Everyone on the face of the earth, even the poor, even the broke of the brokiest, all of them experience the blessing of God in proportionality. So we all have access to the blessing of God in different proportions. There's nobody who can say, I've never experienced the blessing of God. When you read, when you read Psalm chapter 35, chapter 33 verse 5, the Bible says, He loveth righteousness and judgment. Then he says, the earth is full. The earth is full. It's filled with the goodness of God. In Shangombo, in PHI, in Salama Park, in Kasama, even, even, even under the bridge, the Bible says the earth is full. There's nowhere where the goodness of God has never reached. There's no person that the goodness of God does not touch. It says the goodness of God is everywhere. Then he says, then he says in Isaiah 6 verse 1, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, two he covered his feet, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Listen to this, verse 3 of Isaiah 6. And one cried to another. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his cabod. It's full of his glory. The whole earth. You see a person picking maize on the ground and eating. That's the goodness of God. You may think it's not. It is. They even picked food to eat on the ground. That's the goodness of God. Somebody begged and they ate. They were given. That's the goodness of God. Because while the goodness of God is in hell, there is no expression of the goodness of God. There's no expression of the presence of God. Not even water on your pinky can be accessed. It's dry because the presence and goodness of God in any proportionality is absent. It's absent. So you wake up today and you're thinking, mm, I'm blocked today. The Lord is not good to me. You haven't breathing air. why the Bible says, be thankful in everything. See? He says, in, in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, you are becoming now more acquainted, I think it should be 8 verse 8, he says, you are becoming more acquainted of the mercies of God, of the goodness of God. Oh, for your sakes, he became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. 
it's the wisdom of God. It's the knowledge. I mean, it's the will of God that we must be rich. Are you listening to me? Not just to have enough. God wants us to be rich. But walking in the equation of the richness of God sometimes may take a journey of beginning to notice the little that you've had and giving glory to him because you said, Lord, thank you. Even those I just asked and someone gave me, I know you are the one who's given me because there's nothing that we ever had that was not from God. The Bible says, given it shall be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Luke 6.38. That means, sometimes even stingy people, I was surprised, this uncle does not give money. She just, he's just sent money. God is working out something to make sure you are blessed. But no one is incapable of giving. I know sometimes it may go a week, you don't have anything. But look, when you put your mind to it and you believe God according to his word, you always serve up even a one quarter to come and give. Even a one quarter. Because every time you give, you are saying, Lord, I'm aware that even this one quarter I had was because you gave me. When you begin growing in the faithfulness of, of the word of God and noticing that it is God who gives you even the little that you have, You'll be very uncomfortable not giving if it ever happens that you come to Sunday on a church and you never had anything to give. I know sometimes you can be in that place where it's just difficult. But you know for some people it's difficult to give. They are not even upset or they are not even touched about it. They are fine. They are doing just fine. They are okay. There are different categories of, of givers. There are those who have and they give. There are those who have and they don't give. There are those who don't have but they want to give. Then there are those who don't have, they don't even want to give when they, when they have. Which one are you? I'm teaching you the wisdom of the spirit towards your prosperity. The moment you begin seeing every little thing, you start seeing God in what every little thing is doing. Oh my goodness, I've, I even found a pastor who's able to rebuke me and give me proper wisdom. Oh Lord, I'm so thankful. Not you are offended. You didn't even hear anything that God was saying. Everything you picked was offense. Pirikiti, I hope that your offense takes you to heaven. <laughs> End of part one. Hey, let's rise up. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, you better clap. I think this was a good word. <laughs>